Yeah, we're actually going to read from John's Gospel, chapter 10. We had some options today. Sorry about that, Tom. So it's John chapter 10, verses 1 to 10, which Andrea is going to read. What is the page number, Andrea? Oh, it's a different, different one, isn't it? It's in the Blue Bible. Yeah. It's 1016, and good morning. Good morning. So let's just let everybody settle. And there's some prayer going on, and that's fine. You're free to pray at any point. Right, John chapter 10, let's go. Verse 10, the good shepherd and his sheep. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, who does not enter by the gate, sorry, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters the gate, keeper, opens the gate for him. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls down his sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Verily I tell you, I am from the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep who have not listened to them, I am the gate. Whoever enters me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have life to live to the full. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you. Okay, John, come and uh, preach. John just got shot. <laughs> He's now fully awake. There we are. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Tess, it's so good to see you here again. I'm so happy that you're here with us this morning. So let's, let's pray. Lord, may your grace, mercy, and peace fall afresh on us this morning. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Well, I'm going to share a personal story first. And this is because I remember my first trip to the new Wembley Stadium very well. I wish I could say that it was to see Gillingham win promotion out of League One or for like a Green Day concert or something, you know, cool. But at the risk of sounding a bit holy, it was a lot more holy than that. <laughs> So it was September 2012, and it was the National Day of Prayer at Wembley Stadium, and it was Matt Redman, Graham Kendrick, Governor B, and some other, uh, some other acts who have since faded from my memory. And I'm bringing this trip up because it was also my first experience with English stadium gates. <laughs> Anybody who's ever been through an English stadium gate knows exactly what I'm talking about. This was before my first trips to Priestfield to see the Mighty Jills. This was before I ever set foot in Selhurst Park to sit in the rain and watch Crystal Palace and Norwich City draw. 
Very exciting New Year's Day. Timmy thanks me for that one every year. <laughs> Before all of that, there was the 2012 National Day of Prayer. Now, in the US, we tend to be a little bit lax about stadium security, and I'm not sure if that's changed in the last six years, but I remember walking up to the gates at Wembley Stadium and getting this sinking feeling that I was walking into a minimum security prison. <laughs> uh, I felt a genuine apprehension, a sinking feeling looking at this massive, entirely too secure steel structure before me. And even though I knew what was on the other side, I still had to convince myself it was safe to walk through. Of course, once I was on the other side of that gate, I had a lovely feeling, and it was nice, and the dread melted away, and I immediately needed to find a coffee. <laughs> that, was, that was a good moment getting through that gate. Now, I'm telling you this story because it bears remembering that that experience I had at Wembley is often what it's like for non-Christians to approach church, in fact, to approach Jesus. And in today's passage from John, Jesus refers to himself as the gate. He's the gate for the sheep. He's the Jesus who is our savior. He is the Jesus who is also the Christ, fully God and fully man. He is the gate and the entry into a life lived with God. Now, we might not remember what it was like, or we might have been raised Christian, but knowing Jesus is a daunting prospect for a lot of people who aren't Christians and for a lot of people who aren't part of the church. For some people, he's what those gates at Wembley Stadium were for me on my first visit. And I've been through gates like those dozens of times since and not even thought about it. I was back at Wembley for an NFL UK game in 2015, and I didn't give those gates a second thought. But we who come to this church are very fortunate that we're in an environment where we seek an intimate relationship with our creator. In turn, we seek relationship with the Christ who was present on earth as Jesus the man. We've been immersed on the other side of that gate for a long time, some of us, and we know it's safe here. Well, safe-ish, because and I hope most mature Christians in the room will agree with me, uh, there's still plenty of perils that come with following Christ. And that's part of what Jesus gets into in this discourse with the Pharisees and the others who are looking on. This encounter comes directly off the back of Jesus healing a man who was born blind, and his use of metaphor comes as a direct result of the Pharisees doing their usual naysaying. Let's take a look at John 9, 39 to 41 for a moment. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees were with him, heard this, and asked, What, are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. 
But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. So two things become clear at this point. First, Jesus is hanging out with some Pharisees. It says in line 40, some Pharisees who were with him. And it's on the basis of this interaction that the metaphor unfolds. The second thing that becomes clear is that Jesus isn't just going to appease the Pharisees. And we've seen this time and time again when Jesus is talking to religious leaders. Now, we don't know exactly what Jesus' relationship is with any of these particular Pharisees, but we do know he's willing to upset them, and he's willing to upset them in the name of truth and righteousness. He tells them not only that he is the gate and that he is the good shepherd, but here he actually tells them, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers. Now, that includes the Pharisees, the people he's talking to right now in this story, the very people following him around and hanging out with him. Jesus speaks truth in love to these people, even to those who are giving up their time to be part of this conversation. Now, they might not have realized in the moment he was talking about them, and, and maybe some of them clocked what he was on about, but Jesus, in my opinion, of course, here, becomes that scary gate at Wembley that I had to walk through for the National Day of Prayer. All is not cuddly and safe, knowing the Jesus that we know, who will call into question the beliefs and motives of his own followers. And I can give personal testimony as to the nature of that in the last six years of my life, as I've done some soul searching and devoting my life to become a priest in his service, and that's burned ever more brightly this year in my first year of ordination training. And the funny thing is, it's often in completely innocent circumstances like this, where the Pharisees probably thought they were just making a quick snide remark Jesus wouldn't hear it, and it's something that would have been a footnote in history and probably not even worth including in John's gospel account if Jesus hadn't picked up on it. But Jesus cares about these Pharisees every bit as much as God in Christ cares about each and every one of us in this room today, and he's not going to just let this comment slide past. He's not going to carry on like his way is just one more thing that we can add to the experience of faith over there. Just one more way that the Pharisees can do this. No. Here he's telling them that he is the key to a true experience of faith. Now, there's a strong biblical tradition which presents the unfaithful leaders of Israel as bad shepherds. And this shepherd imagery would have been well known by the people Jesus was talking to. There's also examples of good shepherds, and one such example of a good shepherd was David, who the Jews also would have been well acquainted with. Now, Jesus is putting it all out on the table here. He's saying that to know Christ Jesus is to know the way into faith. He is the entrance. He knows the Pharisees might not get that, but he's going to tell them flat out. And he's going to use a metaphor that they should well understand 
as the teachers and historians of Judaism. Now let's not forget, Jesus gets confrontational sometimes throughout the Gospels. This is the same Jesus who enters the temple and begins overturning tables and setting doves free. And this is the same Jesus who calls the Pharisees and Sadducees hypocrites, snakes, a brood of vipers, and I'm guessing probably a few more choice things that conveniently didn't translate from Greek or Aramaic. But this is not a Jesus who just lets it all go. At the same time, that doesn't mean that Jesus has written them off. God doesn't write anyone off. Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection at Easter were a once and for all payment for the sins of every person who ever was and for every person who ever will be. The Pharisees Jesus is talking to in this story are, just like us, a part of the new covenant. Jesus, the gate, the good shepherd, the honest teacher willing to challenge his own sheep and the religious leaders around him. Jesus, the gate, which can sometimes appear scary to people who aren't familiar with how that gate works. But Jesus is also the good shepherd who cares for the sheep, guides them, and gives them life. So church family, as I stand here before you today, I just, I just want to encourage us not to forget when we leave this place today that there's plenty of people in our daily lives outside of here, in the streets where we live, in the places where we work, in the relationships that we're in, who don't know Jesus, who don't know Jesus like we know Jesus, or who don't know Jesus at all. There are people who don't know the Christ of the cross. There are people who don't know the sacrifice made once for all. There are people who don't know the enormous and unchanging love that I know, the enormous and unchanging love of God. There's a good chance that there are people in all of our daily lives who know that we're Christians and they're completely confused by it. We might have some curious people in our lives and indeed, we may all know someone who was at that place I was at at Wembley Stadium, looking at the gates with a feeling of slight trepidation or total fear. And I don't wanna minimalize what our faith might look like or mean to other people, especially if they are friends of ours who are curious about the Jesus we know. But what I want to encourage you in today is helping that person or those people that you might already know who are standing at that point, just help them to see a glimmer of what lies on the other side of that gate. And the way you offer them friendship in the way you live out your life around them, in the way that you greet other people in your street or in your workplace or at the pub or at Aldi 
wherever it is you spend your time, anywhere you encounter people, giving them that glimmer of what's on the other side of that gate. Now, for those people, we might be the only Jesus they encounter in their daily lives. And we need to remember that the Jesus who loves and cares about us Well, that's the same Jesus that loves and cares about them in the same way. He cares about those Pharisees who just didn't get it even when they were following him around and listening to him teach. And the Christ of Easter was just about, just as much about the salvation of the people in our lives as he was about the salvation of those Pharisees in Jerusalem roughly 2,000 years ago. Now, sometimes this is going to mean speaking truth and love to other people, and that's, that's a different lesson for another day. But today, let's focus on helping other people in our nation, in our town, in our community, in the streets where we live, to know the love of the all-powerful and ever-loving God who sent his only son to be the savior, to be the redeemer, the Christ of Easter, and the gate for the sheep of the sheepfold for us. Let's focus on being that light in the lives of others so that when they get to the gate, They don't feel the way I felt standing outside Wembley Stadium, wondering if I was going to walk through because it just didn't look that safe to me. So let us pray. Almighty God, we come before you today as, as your people that you have called through that gate. whose son, Jesus Christ, is the resurrection and the life. We ask, Lord God, that you would raise us who trust in him to be brave, that we might seek those things which are above and that we might point to you And we pray for your blessing, Lord God, and the unity of the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You would be with us today, Lord, in all that we are and in all that we do. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.